someone that isn't familiar with SRS, how can it be described in a sentence or two? SRS, also known as spaced repetition, is a method of learning that allows you to retain the most words in the least amount of time. Okay, bold claim. I would actually say it's less uh, a method of learning so much a, le- a method of reviewing, isn't it? Yes. And of course, reviewing is the most important part of language learning. Something that you, you learn early on as a language learner is that unless you review daily, unless you review everything that you've learned, you're going to forget. If you're not going to forget it by the end of the day, you're going to forget it by the end of the month or the end of the year. And all of that effort that you've put into your learning is going to be wasted. And so if you actually want to achieve uh, fluency or any kinds of results, if you want to, 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 to make progress, it's not enough to just learn every day. You must review. It's absolutely crucial. And this is what the R in SRS stands for, the repetition. Yes. And can you explain how that repetition works? So in the late 1880s, uh, a German psychologist, Hermann Ebbinghaus, has discovered the forgetting, uh, forgetting curves. And the way the forgetting curves work is that when you learn something, you know it at 100%. But as time passes by, you're going to forget it eventually. And this is a very intuitive finding. But what Ebbinghaus found is that if you review the information just before you forget it, the forgetting curve is become will become flatter. And so that maybe the first time you learn something, you're going to forget it in three hours. But if you review it just before you forget it in three hours, you're then going to remember it for seven days and then for a few months and then for a few years. And eventually you're going to remember it for longer than your lifetime. And that's really what we call, uh, what we call knowledge. Like when we say that we, we know something, that we remember it, what we really mean is that we're going to remember it for longer than our lifetime. It doesn't mean that we would never forget it if we live forever. And so did he see a distinction then between short-term and long-term memory? Long-term being knowledge and short-term being what's kind of temporarily in your brain's RAM uh, until such time as it's moved to the hard drive? The, there is a distinction in, in short-term and long-term memory, but only in the earlier stages. So when you're actually processing the information as you learn it, there's a concept of short-term memory where you have usually about six to seven items kind of that you can you can keep in your memory at the same time and you can you can juggle them around to create sentences and 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 think of new concepts and integrate them into into other knowledge that you have but the moment you you move past that kind of working memory as as you said the ram of your computer you're moving into the long term uh, long-term territory but this long-term territory itself it isn't just one long-term territory there's the three-hour territory and the seven hours territory and the right. months territory and the years territory okay so, so it's like moving it from a, a cheap hard drive you've bought off some dodgy website uh, <laughs> to, to some t- top of the end solid state drive that's gonna last you for a lifetime yeah and how does it actually work in the sense that how do we know that it's that moment where we're going to forget something that's the right time to introduce the same item again. So different approaches to this can do it differently. Uh, the, the core concept is that any piece of information you learn, you assign it the difficulty. So the first time you learn, the difficulty is zero and you you know, you know know it. And then 
the, the, the first time you review it, maybe in a few hours, you, you'll, you'll rate how well you know it. And based on that rating, kind of how well you've remembered it, there's mathematical formulas which allow us to predict whether you need to add a few more days before the next review, whether you should review it in, in the next hour because you struggle with this particular word, or whether it's something that you know so well that you basically don't need to review it at all. Maybe it's a word that is similar to something from your native language or generally a concept that you've come across before. Okay, so before we get into the kind of the technicalities of these different spaces, let's talk about that moment where you're deciding how well you know something. Is this a question of how quick it it is for you to recall it? Uh, is it a question of whether it's on the tip of your tongue but not quite there? What is it that you're looking for in this process? Depending on 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 the kind of methodology that you use for straight-based repetition, where you could have a multiple-choice solution where you get the word maybe in English or you get the word in native language and then you have to choose the correct translation, better systems require you to complete sentences, that's called closer repetition, where you have an empty space and you have to complete it based on the information surrounding it. And of course, the most challenging and also the most effective and the most rewarding techniques require you to actually come up with the information from scratch. So you get a word and you need to translate it or you need to write a sentence using it. And in in, in those kinds of systems, you, you're looking for, for knowledge. You're looking for your ability to actually answer the question. If it's at the tip of your tongue, you should be concerned and it's better to kind of rate it slightly lower. It's good if you remember it, right? So the difference is that if you if you get a, a, a prompt and you can just barely remember it within maybe a few minutes, then that that's a good thing. And the space repetition algorithm will, will understand it as a review. You've done your review and the next time you're going to remember it for longer. But if you really struggle and you come up with a half answer that doesn't really match the the, the reality, and in, in in that case, it it's seen as a negative signal. It's you haven't re- remembered this word, you've struggled with it. You should you should keep practicing it uh, at a more on a more frequent basis. And so, in that instance, if if you don't get the answer correct, or if it takes you a long time to get the answer, then the algorithm doesn't presume that the space between the next time you see that should be longer as you're uh, expecting but rather should be shortened and then uh, the next time you're introduced to it uh, if you don't remember it another time then the space should be shortened and shortened until such time as that particular item is as good as new information according to the system is that right yes it actually happens quite often that you remember an item very well in the first few hours or the few first few days but then struggle to remember it for weeks or months or years. And I, I think the reason for that is that we learn vocabulary in context, whether we do this consciously through sentences and through immersion or unconsciously, simply by the fact that we, we, we've learned a word as part of a particular chapter in a textbook or as part of our daily life in the country doing something. And as a result, while you're in that context, the word is at the top of your memory and you get kind of spaced repetition for free by just you know existing in the context where that word comes up frequently but the moment you you move away from that context maybe you switch textbooks or you move to you know back to your home country you you, you lose it and 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 so that's when the space re- repetition algorithm might want to shorten the interval and and get you to review it more frequently again 
often a language learner won't just be using a spaced repetition system or a spaced repetition software. And I'm sure later in the conversation we can talk about what those might be. But they'll also be following a textbook. They might have uh, friends that they're pen pals with. They might have a tutor. And so they're also doing some kind of spaced repetition themselves, right? You know, they're uh, recalling information as they're speaking or they're reminding themselves of things which they might have learned in another textbook in the workbook that they're currently working on. And it seems that the idea of a, of a perfect spaced repetition system is that it perfectly mirrors what's actually going on in your brain, that all of the information that's in your brain is built into this system and this system uh, knows when you're about to forget it. And so is it common for someone to use a spaced repetition system in conjunction with a textbook, only using the information that's in that textbook? Or should this exist as kind of a separate study resource all by itself? Or do different learners do things differently? Different learners certainly do things differently. In the ideal world, yes, spaced repetition would match exactly what you know and how well you know it. Uh, this is possible to some extent in that if you have a word in your spaced repetition bank, then it's fine that you're also reviewing it in the textbook or in the real world because the spaced repetition will catch up, right? So if you keep seeing the same word in your daily life, and then you open up your space repetition system after a while, you, you'll be answering those words correctly again and again and again. The space repetition system will figure out that it should extend your your knowledge, your forgetting curve, by maybe many months or many years, which it wouldn't have unless you've repeated the word in other contexts as well. However, the where, where the, the blank spot is is if you if you don't have the word in your space repetition bank. If you've learned a word in a textbook, but you've never added it to, to Anki or Supermem or whatever software you're using, then you won't get that benefit of, of, of perfect mirroring of, of your brain. And various products have tried to solve that in different ways. Some just encourage you to keep adding stuff into your word bank. Some start you up with a large database of maybe 20,000, 40,000 words covering the entire language, essentially. And so if you come across something in the real life, you know that it's going to be in the system eventually. And, and, and some have tried to estimate which words you know based on, on, on a small subset of them. So there's some really interesting, interesting research where if, if you can identify 200 words in the English language, the right 200 words in the English language, then researchers can predict your entire vocabulary size. And so it, it's a really efficient way of, of, of measuring how well you know, you know the vocabulary, at least the vocabulary side of the language. And now in the ideal world, we could also go in the other direction where you, you know, your, your spaced repetition system based on partially on the words you've added in yourself and partially on the, the words you've come across in the real life and kind of had the time to, to, to add there as well, it could estimate that you probably also know these, you know, 1,000 other words and you should be reviewing them at this particular interval. Right. And some, some software is trying to achieve that, but it's very challenging and I haven't seen, you know, much meaningful progress. So it seems like there's two approaches to SRS. Either it's you use SRS as a tool to review information which you feed it or you use SRS as a way to present information that's already being curated and fed to you? Yes. So all learners using SRS start from one of these two starting points, right? They either start 
with a blank site and they just keep adding new words that they come across or they start with an existing preset database of sentences or words or other prompts if they're learning something other than languages and just kind of go through them as they would with a pack of uh, of flashcards, right? And can you do SRS with just paper flashcards? Yes, you can. Uh, actually, like it, it, it would be interesting to talk about flashcards because many people think of flashcards as spaced repetition, and it is in its own way. You you look at the flashcards at a certain interval, you review the words over time. But the key difference between regular flashcards and actual spaced repetition is that you review flashcards at random intervals. So you might look at a word that you know really, really well, very frequently. And so you're wasting time. You're just kind of going through this information that you already have in your head and wouldn't need to review. On right, because you're using the set sequence. Yeah, and, and, and then what happens is that you kind of get tired of using flashcards, right? Because it just takes so much time. And so you start reviewing them less and less frequently. And so eventually you might get to the right frequency for the words that you know well, but now you'll be reviewing the words that you don't know well enough too infrequently. And so you're not getting the full benefit of spaced repetition. Is there any harm in reviewing a word that you know really well though? Well, it is. It's, it's, it's just a waste of time. And so whatever time you, you, you're spending reviewing stuff that you do well very well, you're not spending reviewing words that you don't remember well enough. And so it, it, it just creates this constant inefficiency and eventual burnout. And, and going back to your question about whether you could implement the spaced repetition system using flashcards alone, there is actually a solution called the Lightner system. And the way the Lightner system works is, is just a box of cards with four separate sections. And so you start in the first section and you you know, take out a flashcard and you look at the word and if you know it well, you put it in the fourth section. And if you know it reasonably well, you put it maybe in the second or the third section. And if you don't know it at all, you put it at the bottom of the deck in the first section. And then for the first section, you review it every day. And the second section of the box, you review it maybe every week. And then the third section, you review it every month. In the fourth section, you review it every three or six months. And so this way, you've actually achieved the simplified version of space repetition without using any technology or advanced math. And presumably this system works with just unlimited numbers of cards if you have a place to, to store them. Yeah, if you have a large enough box, yeah, sure, why not? But for you as a learner, do you use paper cards or I'm guessing you use something more sophisticated? Yes, uh, I personally prefer to use uh, digital tools. There's a few reasons for that. I move around a lot, so I don't have a lot of space in my suitcase to have these cards with me. And as we mentioned before, it's crucial to review every single day. And so it's better to have a tool. It's a bit like photography, right? It's better to have a camera that you, like a camera, the camera that you have with you is always better than the perfect camera that you don't have with you. And it's the same with flashcards. It's better to have maybe an imperfect system that you have with you all the time rather than have your preferred system, which might be maybe paper flashcards because you just enjoy the physical feeling that you only have with you once a week and that you can't review when it's convenient for you. So on, on, on where, this, where this metaphor breaks is that I actually strongly believe that digital systems are superior to paper flashcards. And the reason for that is there's been quite a lot of research done 
into perfecting these algorithms that don't schedule things over four boxes, but schedule your words over uh, an infinite number of boxes. Right. So, so they really do pick the exact moment that you're about to forget this, this item and present it at precisely that point. Yes. And if you use a, a good system, you'll be getting new words not every day or every week. You'll be getting them every few minutes. It's going to tell you, oh, like, this is the exact minute when you're likely to forget the word that you've learned three months and six days and five hours and 45 seconds ago. That sounds both implausible and potentially annoying. <laughs> yeah, of course, it doesn't actually mean that, you know, you have to act on these notifications or even enable them. Really, what you do is you still review stuff every day, but you batch essentially a, a group of words that you've, you, you should have reviewed over the course of the day. So for someone that's excited by what SRS can do, what's the best way to get started if you haven't got ready-made deck so you haven't got a software that's been recommended to you that's being filled with content that's relevant for your needs the best way is to just get started you create a bank deck and you start adding words that you come across in the real world so the moment you see a new word in a book you're reading or in your textbook or you hear something while while in the real world maybe in a restaurant or buying something at a store you quickly open the app on your phone and you add the word in and you add a translation so you use this like a notebook Yes. You added, really one way to think about it is as a to-do list. It's a to-do list of words that you want to review in the next few hours and then six days and months and years. And what should you be doing? So say uh, I, I'm in France and I hear someone say enchanté and I want to remember to use that next time I meet someone. Do I write down just that word? Do I write down uh, the context used when greeting someone or do i write down an english translation in my case what do you suggest i, I actually put in in my software if you're doing this on the go as you hear that word you probably just write down that word but once you get home it's better to expand that it's better to add some context to your flashcard and so that context could be a sentence where you have maybe a question and answer so someone says you know bonjour and you say you know enchanté and the, the, the other option is that you expand it with maybe even images or mnemonics or any other ways that you can better remo remember this word. As for the, 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 the backside of the flashcard, it could be a translation. It could be a sentence that this word fits into. It could be a whole different context that, you know, this part of the conversation could be happening in. And... What you put on the other side of the flashcard largely depends on your level. If you are a complete beginner, of course, just the translation works best because you need to come back to your to your native language to, to feel comfort and to actually connect the new words you're learning to something. But eventually, as you become more proficient, it's better to switch to options which are actually in the, your target language. So you might have the French word on one side and you may have a French sentence on the other side and no English anywhere on the card. Uh, and then when you're doing the review, which side do you present to yourself? That depends. There are people who go either way. You can mix them up. Uh, you can also mix the two, uh, depending on your software. I would generally use the closer method, which means that I'm presented with a sentence and it has a blank spot. And all I need to do is complete that blank spot with a word that, that fits there. What's, what's interesting about the closer method is that it trains simultaneously your knowledge of that particular word but also your understanding of grammar, 
your understanding of context, your understanding of relationship between different words. And so in a language like German or Russian, you might look at, say, the conjugation endings. And you might know that if this particular ending is used on the first word in the sentence, then the sixth word just has to be maybe of a feminine gender. And so that kind of, you know, narrows down your search space. And for other languages, you might see that in this particular spot, based on the kind of the grammar structure of that language, it has to be an adjective or it has to be a verb. And so I, I find this kind of method of learning both highly effective and very re rewarding and fun in that you, you kind of, it's almost like a game. And do you have any specifics uh, on, on what you should be doing while you're going through these cards? Should you be also taking notes? Uh, should you be saying stuff out loud? H how do you actually uh, operate when you're going through these reviews? Saying stuff out loud doesn't hurt. I mean, it's always good to practice your pronunciation. And many of the software solutions for spaced repetition, such as Anki or Supermember, these days support adding audio files in your decks, uh, if you have time for that, of course. But generally, it, it's really as simple as you know, getting the prompt, answering how well you know it, I know it well, I don't know it well, I know it super well, and then just moving on. The, the, the point is that the objective should not be to maximize the efficiency of the individual kind of reviews of the individual of the individual words that you look at, but rather to optimize for for the fun of the process that keeps you going every single day, coming back to your flashcards, looking at them again. Because how frequently you review is way more important than than how you actually do the reviews, whether it's a sentence or whether it's a translation or whether you you know take notes or pronounce the word in a certain way, especially for beginners, because motivation is much more challenging and much more important than kind of the the raw technique. And it seems from what you're saying that actually just the process of being exposed to the same thing over and over again. Uh, will eventually mean that you know it. Yes, absolutely. So you gave a couple of examples of softwares that you uh, recommend. Uh, for, for someone who uh, has absolutely no idea where to start, what should they be looking for in an SRS software? So the interesting part is that most language learning solutions online these days use spaced repetition in the backend. So you as a customer might not necessarily ever hear this word or know about it, but if you use software like Duolingo or you know Memrise or any kind of other online solution, there's a good chance that they're using something similar to this method. Now, in terms of actual specialized software for spaced repetition, the original the original tool was called SuperMemo and developed by Piotr Wozniak from Poland in 1985. Uh, in 85, he developed the original mathematical algorithm, which he tested with just regular paper flashcards. Later on in 87, he launched uh, the first version of his software. And that algorithm, which is fortunately open source, has been used throughout the industry by all the different packages that have since been launched by others. SuperMemo has evolved over the years. The latest version is from, I think, a year or two years ago. And they've tried to improve on the algorithm. But it, the improvements since the 87 are so so small that as a language learner, again, it's more important that you use something that has a nice UI, 
that is 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 a software tool that is easy to add words to that has a good word bank maybe uh, for you to get started rather than kind of keep optimizing the algorithm that might predict your forgetting curve not to the minute but to the second or the millisecond and presumably it's software that needs to be as you said accessible it needs to be the camera that's in your pocket yeah, and that, that's really important, and that's something you don't get with Supermemo. I used Anki myself in law school. Yeah, Anki is very popular. Actually, that's a really good point. Space repetition is very popular among law school students because you need to learn a lot of very specialized vocabulary, oftentimes in, in the context of specific sentences and, and set expressions. And, well, and often so, people use it for uh, cases mm -hmm. uh, because often what you need for, for law school is uh, you just need to know in one sentence what a case says. Yeah. And that's something that's very, very hard to to remember quickly in an exam context. So I know uh, my course actually wasn't so heavy on needing this information. Um, but I know some of the uh, American law schools just have thousands and thousands of cases which you're expected to know. And there's absolutely no way of just learning these organically through coming across them again and again. Yep. And so, yeah, you mentioned Anki. Anki is quite possibly the most popular space repetition software. It's available for every major platform. It's open source. It's a, it has a huge community around it. It, it means it, memory in Japanese, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, you know, it, it might be the most, kind of, it might not be the sexiest software out there, but it's the most full-featured, and it does its job. It does its job really, really well. Alternatively, what I, what I like to use on my phone is an app called Closet Master, and Closer Master uses space repetition with the Closer method. And so the Closer method is that you get a sentence, it has a blank spot, and you need to complete it. It's really easy to use, it's kind of fun, it's a bit gamified. And so I, I found Closer Master a really good, good way of learning vocabulary for new languages.